Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Lots going on at Mercedes. It's an end of an era. They're in a huge point of transition, and that's naturally going to take time to get to that incredible point again. We're in the Middle East where the second round of the Formula One season has been and gone already. On paper, we've witnessed a stronger performance than Bahrain, but what information is hiding in the details? What positives can Mercedes build upon and what's going on behind the scenes with the drivers? My name is Bal Baines and in this episode of the Silver Arrows podcast, we'll be discussing all of that and more as we delve into the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. But before all of that, a quick thank you for continuing to listen and get involved with the podcast. Our last episode with Bryson Sullivan was packed full of insight and wisdom and went down an absolute treat. If you haven't listened yet, make sure you go back and check it out for a positive spin on Mercedes' current situation. If you enjoy listening to these episodes, there's a few things you can do to help us grow. Firstly, subscribe to us on your podcast app of choice and leave us a review. You'll get all of our episodes directly into your podcast feed so you won't miss a beat. And finally, share any episodes you enjoy with friends and like-minded folk. Go on our profile on Twitter. Remember to tag us in at MercF1Pod. Post it on Reddit, on forums or WhatsApp it to your friends. Whatever you do to get this in the ears of Mercedes fans is a massive, massive boost to us. And we really appreciate it. Thanks to all of you who've done it so far. For now, though, let's get down to business and jump in to the weekend just gone. And joining us, we welcome back Cara Bostock from Sky Sports New. Cara, it's so good to see you again. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be here and not just talk about bad things. I'm going to be so <laughs> positive this podcast. Just you wait. You're going to be our, the beacon of positivity here, Cara. So thank you so much again for joining us. And also, we're very lucky to have Tom Fletcher. Hello, Tom. Hi, how are you doing? Thank you for having me on. 
No, my pleasure. So, Tom, what would you do in your day to day? What's your interest uh, in Formula One? So, my, my day to day job is I'm a lead engineer for a uh, precision fabrication company. So, we specialize in exhaust products and thermal management solutions um, for top end motorsport customers. One of the things we're famous for is, is the Halo. We're the sole UK supplier of the Halo to F1 teams. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, before we move on to the free practice sessions of the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix, we should briefly mention the two main upgrades. Mercedes bought for this weekend. They were in the form of a lower drag rear wing designed to increase aero efficiency for the fast nature of the Jeddah circuit and a tweak made to the floor edge to try and improve the flow to the car diffuser. So, so Tom, let's start with you. I wonder if you could give us a quick overview of FP1 through to FP3 and what Mercedes were up to. FP1, we could see this low um, downforce configuration in action. Top end speed was was a lot higher and sort of matched the Red Bulls. However, it, so it sort of offset them a little bit to the Aston Martins. They were having a, you could see that they were running a lot higher minimum corner speed. I don't know if this is something that they then had to bail out of or, or look at strapping more downforce onto the car overnight into FP3. In FP1, FP2, they, they teams look to generate data so they can they can add into their simulations things like tire deg and how many laps they think they can do on on a specific compound and it's quite interesting to see that the mercedes in this case in in free practice one they split the two cars running hamilton on the hards with with high fuel and then russell on the softs and with high fuel um, in order to generate those those numbers that they need then going through into fp2 both drivers russell and hamilton ran the mediums for their longer runs we could start to see some of the pace from Russell, as he was running the, the low fuel, softer tyres, he was roughly around a half second quicker than Lewis. And at that point, I thought maybe, you know, Russell's on, on for, for a good weekend here. Then going through into FP3 is where the teams normally do their poly simulations. They then flip reversed and, and, and Hamilton was actually the driver on top, in my opinion. And my money was on him. Yes, it definitely seemed like a difficult time there in uh, FP1, 2 and 3. Uh, Cara, let's go to you. Quickly, what happened in, in quali? So Quali didn't start off too well. We were looking at George 8th, Hamilton 10th in Q1, and we're thinking, is this a repeat of last weekend? Or I should say the weekend before the first race of the season. And then it starts to get better and better as we go along. We've got George 6th, Hamilton 8th. But there's a pattern here. George George is quicker than Hamilton. And then we go into Q3, and George is 4th, only 0.5 behind the leader. But Hamilton qualifies eighth. This becomes third and seventh, obviously, with Charles's penalty. And we're all expecting him to improve on the second run of Q3. I know George said after that they'd exceeded expectations to be ahead of an Aston Martin or a, and a Ferrari. But then Lewis was saying how he struggled and he didn't feel connected to the car. So again, this sort of brought up some bigger questions about, is it the car? Is it just Lewis? Yeah, so something something interesting I noticed in Q3, certainly. Lewis actually was, was the slowest in Sector 1 out of all of the top 10. And you can actually, you can pinpoint that down to one corner in particular, which is between turns 7 and 8. This is a complex of corners. It's basically a series of S-bends from 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, all the way up to 12. And what's happening there is is you have a medium corner entry speed into 4. 
And then what, what's happening is you're picking up the throttle and going up through the gears all the way up to sixth, seventh gear. Now, George was actually holding sixth gear through that section, whereas as Lewis was was grabbing seventh and having a, having a big old lift on throttle. I don't know if this is something that Lewis was trying to do. Maybe, maybe he was be, trying to be too clever about what he was up to in terms of maybe saving saving the tyres for later in the lap or, or something along those lines. But you could see that he was slowly edging the gap down, but it wasn't enough. Yeah, I just wanted to pick up on, on Cara's point earlier there, Tom. So she mentioned that Lewis said that he doesn't feel connected to, to the car, which is weird of, of, of someone of Hamilton's calibre to say. So, Tom, what, why do you think that is? You, you mentioned that Russell's having such a better time with the W14, but why do you think Lewis is having such a, a worse time? I don't necessarily th- necessarily think he is. I think he was trying to do something different there, and then he was actually he was actually the one who was using six through through seven and eight, while George was, was grabbing another gear, uh, which I thought was interesting. All of a sudden, in quality, they, fl- they flipped over. And then they were doing completely reverse. So yeah, I can't really explain that to be honest. I, I don't know if it was it was Lewis trying to be clever, but I've noticed with Lewis, he started off really attacking as a driver. He back in. 2008, 2007, he'd be a bit more like George. He was a bit, a bit more aggressive and really attacked the corners. But as he sort of matured and he's almost his driving style has almost been molded by the, by the regulations he's become a more relaxed driver and he's he's really thinking about how he's he's using his tires particularly later on in the lap and and not not using the, the best of the tire too early I, I just wonder if he he's tried to do something similar here and it's sort of backfired on him a little bit yeah you mentioned the tires there tom so cara um hamilton did start on the hard tires which took him longer to get up to pace and then managing the mediums to, to the end of the race so why do you think hamilton did that in, in terms of going against the grain with the rest of the drivers uh, on the grid. It's one of those that when you're starting that bit further back, you're more willing to take a risk. But in this case, I'm not really sure if the risk paid off. The hards didn't seem to work for him that well as the tyre to start on to get ahead initially. And I think to start with, he looked quite vulnerable and he was complaining on the radio. But then it seemed as others later in the race came onto the hard. You know, Alonso was like, I'm loving these tyres. So again, there's a bit of a grey cloud over Lewis this weekend. He doesn't seem to perhaps maybe be in sync with the team strategy-wise. Yeah, it's it's definitely a good point there, Tom. With that strategy... Do you think it's working with with the Mercedes? We we talked earlier uh, in previous podcasts about James Vowles leaving a massive, massive miss for for the uh, Mercedes outfit. So, do you think they're missing James Vowles that much in terms of strategy? I don't think I don't think they are. I think they they did the best they could with the strategy. They they obviously split the two cars, running Lewis on the hard and 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 George on the medium. I thought. It was a bit of a roll of the dice for Lewis. I thought he, he might he might get eaten up off the line on that first lap as well. But it, it seemed to seemed to pay off okay. He held his ground. As a, as a Hamilton fan, I wasn't really happy that he was on the hards. I think it's, it's the best they can do with what they had. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree there, Tom. Cara, uh, Verstappen going past the, the Mercedes in commentary, uh, Martin Brundle said, is like F2 versus F1. Well, what's your thoughts on that? Lewis did say it's probably the fastest car he's seen in F1. It was just incredible to watch. It was a bit of a dagger to the heart of all Mercedes fans there, seeing the Red Bull dominate so much. The Red Bulls are just so fast on the straights. And they've spoken about this, that coming into the new regulations, that was their goal. 
they knew that the thing that was most important, you know, maybe we're not going to be as great on the corners or on slower tracks, but if we get our straight line speed right, nine times out of 10, we're going to have the advantage. They focused on that and it has worked. You know, they've almost got 20 miles per hour more speed when they've got their DRS open, which does make it look like it's an F2 car versus an F1 car. Yeah, what was your thoughts there, Tom, when uh, I could see uh, smiling there as Carl uh, uh, was mentioning Verstappen just absolutely killing the, the W14s? Yeah, it's, it's insane, isn't it? Um, they, they clearly have a, a very good downforce to drag ratio, which is helping them run high downforce, but with high top speed, which is effectively giving them all-round performance. What was really scary for me is that that was their supposed low downforce configuration. <laughs> I, my mouth was just on the on the floor as the Red Bull just absolutely glided past the, the Mercedes. However, saying that, the, the safety car and the Jeddah Corniche circuit almost go hand in hand. So, Cara, uh, that safety car benefited Mercedes when the fresh tyres uh, helped. Yeah, and I suppose that's when Tom said that they are sort of getting the strategy right. They do seem to get those bigger calls right in the race. They often, I feel like Mercedes, they're calm under that pressure of, okay, what call do we make here with a a safety car? And like you said, with a street circuit, you almost it's almost guaranteed that there's going to be a safety car at some point, especially one as tight as Jeddah. So the team could predict that, and I think they reacted well. Yeah, they definitely reacted well with the safety car coming out as as it did with uh, Logan Sargent going out there. Uh, Tom, so do you think we had some sort of back and forth with Russell and his uh, engineer? So do you think he was ignoring team orders uh, from the garage? Definitely not, no. I think if they were to give him team orders to move, move aside, it definitely would have been the wrong thing to do. Lewis's tyres were screaming by 10 laps after the safety car. Um, it had come in. So if the safety car had come out later, then he could have used his mediums a bit lower fuel and a bit over a shorter distance towards the end of the race. So firstly, I don't think there was any team orders specifically for George to move over. And secondly, if there were, I think George has done the right thing to ignore them. It's definitely a good point you made there, Tom. Uh, Cara, what what do you think? We we heard some team orders coming from uh, Hamilton's camp as well. But do you think Russell was growing in confidence in terms of where his place is in that team? He wants to be the number one driver uh, in Mercedes. Hamilton has got a year left of his contract. Yeah, we can't forget that George finished ahead of Hamilton in the championship last season. And this season as well, he's ahead. It looks like he's, you know, suiting the car better. And George, like all drivers on that track, has that killer instinct, that selfishness that he wants to stay in front. So his immediate reaction, it's not an excuse. I suppose he was like, I need to stay close to Alonso when it was implied maybe that he needed to let Hamilton through. Then he obviously realised he hadn't served his penalty. He was a bit annoyed at the team. Um, but he made the right call in the end. He finished six seconds ahead of Hamilton. But, you know, those dynamics are so interesting among teammates. And as you've said, with Hamilton, it's a huge headline at the moment. Is he going to stay at Mercedes? And I think how this dynamic plays out will impact that a lot. Thank you. 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Let's talk about Alonso's time penalty and also George pushing for third at the end and then all of that confusion that happened post-race as well. Talk about miscommunication. Alonso had a five-second penalty for not being in the correct position at the start of the race. He was really far over. He served that when he came into the pits, but when he served that, the jack was touching his car. And supposedly when you serve a five-second penalty, they can't be doing any work on the car. Obviously, no one was moving. The jack was just ready, lifting the car up so they could switch the tyres. So after the race, he's on the podium. He's third. Woo, he's posting the pictures on social media. Then it turns out, oh, no, you've got a 10-second penalty because the jack was there. You're working on the car. George posts the pictures on social media. Woo, I've got third. Then Aston Martin produced seven different examples of when the jack was touching the car while serving a time penalty. And the FIA go, sorry, we did get this wrong. Here's your trophy back, Fernando. So as a Mercedes fan, you were maybe like, woo, we've got on the podium. But then even George and Hamilton said that Alonso deserved the third place. So I think it was the right resolution in the end. It's, it's, I was reading the, the news after the race has happened and I was celebrating because Russell, well, Russell got P3 and then he didn't get it and then he did get it. And it was just such a, such a confusion. So, Cara, thank you so much for clearing that all up for us. Uh, Tom, I want to move to Hamilton now. And he seems, I think, dejected is the right word. He's commenting about Red Bull being further away than last year and the most dominant car he's ever seen. What's your thoughts on, on Hamilton's body language and how he's conducting himself? on and off the track. One of the good things that we got to see from this race is that uh, obviously Perez and, and Max were battling it out in, in the lead. So we got to an idea of, of their true race pace um, absolutely flat out. What I found particularly scary about uh, the uh, Red Bull's pace was um, not, not just their straight line speed, but, but their, their minimum corner speed um, in slow, medium and high speed. Um, and they were they were meant to be running the, the their lower downforce configuration. We're looking at over a second per lap 
in, in race trim. And I think Lewis just knows that you're not going to close that in the season, unfortunately. Um, you need you need miracles to do that. And also the fact that the second thing is that Lewis is, he was on the back foot this weekend, unfortunately. He was off boil and it just, it wasn't like him, unfortunately. You mentioned the, the Red Bulls there, Tom, and I read somewhere that if the Red Bulls, if they push as hard as they can, they can lap everyone up to fifth place. That's how quick they are compared to the other the other nine teams, which is absolutely incredible. Uh, we haven't mentioned Angela Cullen, Cara, uh, Hamilton's uh, physio leaving. So she's been an integral part of his success over the last couple of years. Yeah, this is a really interesting one because she's been, you know, such a figure in his life. He's always sang her praises so loudly, both what she does for his mental, for his physical health. So she's been that continuity for the last seven years. And so is he looking for a change? Obviously here, we don't know what the reasons are behind it. It's not been specified whether, you know, she may just be going into a different phase in her life. The F1 calendar is incredibly hectic, but maybe it gives an opportunity for Lewis to bring in someone new to, to think in a different way in this transitional period. Because while he's been with Angela, he really has been riding high. He's been winning championships for most of that seven years. And he almost needs to take a different mental approach now because he's not got the car to deal with it. There's a, so much resilience needed. So from a Mercedes fan perspective, always trying to look at the positives. I think it is you know, really sad and everyone will celebrate Angela. But also, you know, is this going to be an opportunity for something new and something even better for Lewis at this time? The timing's a bit suspect for me as well. They, she's left after a race the first race of this 2023 season and she's decided to to part ways with Hamilton. So to me, as a Mercedes fan, that's a bit suspect. Yeah, that is a really good point you make, actually. You'd think if this was premeditated, will she just leave, you know, before the season started? So that is an interesting one. Maybe we'll find that in Drive to Survive next year. Yeah, we'll have to wait to uh, get that Netflix uh, subscription in. Uh, Tom, there's one big figure that we haven't talked about, and that's uh, our team principal, Toto Wolff. So what do you think his position is now as we are post Saudi Arabia? He made some quotes over over the race weekend. So where do you think his position is in terms of how he's feeling and what his next steps are? Yeah, I'm I'm really pleased with Toto at the moment. I think um, he's... He's really now got grip of the team. Uh, I was a little bit worried when he obviously got hot-headed after after Bahrain, but now I think yeah, like I said, he's got he's got grip on the team. They've had their crisis meeting and they've all got together, come out there with a clear direction. They know where their their problems are, um, and they've got one clear defined route that they're going to attack over the coming season yeah no it's, it's definitely a good point apparently upgrades are coming in Imola which is a couple of months away which is so far away Cara what what do you think Toto's mental state is at, at the moment he's he's been going left to right in the middle we, we don't know I'm thinking his head is is maybe swerved a bit well where, where do you think Toto's head is um, he's quoted as saying he needs to look everywhere in terms of Lewis Hamilton and I'll have no grouch if that happens in a year or two so this is for me giving red flags and alarm bells everywhere yeah I think it's been difficult because there's been a lot of mixed messaging with Lewis's future at Mercedes in one hand he's saying that he's sure he's gonna you know stay with them he's confident 
But then on the other hand, he's saying if we can't give him a championship winning car, which he's very realistic about. He did an interview that was played on Sky Sports before qualifying. And that was really interesting. And he actually said, oh, because my personal life's good right now, I'm actually really good despite all this chaos. And I thought that really showed a great leader that he was able to separate those things. They also spoke about how the car's going to look very different in five or six races time. And they they know they're not going to be able to catch the Red Bull, but if they can keep making improvements and learn the lessons from not making enough improvements this year to next year, I mean, they've got the same engine, the same gearbox, the same rear suspension as Aston Martin. So surely at least to the level of the Aston Martin is where they'll be aiming. Martin Brundle also made a really interesting point that 400 of the 1,200 people at the Mercedes factory are new. They're in a huge point of transition and bringing new people in with it brings new ideas and improvement. But also they've, you know, some of the, they've let some of their top talent go. It's an end of an era and that's naturally going to take time to get to that incredible point again. So yeah, like you say, lots going on at Mercedes, but Toto is that pragmatic leader we expect. And I think he's navigating it well. That transitional period is is so, so important. Uh, that actually links on to my next question beautifully. So Tom, at Martino741 on Twitter asks, did Mercedes know about the big gap to Red Bull in the winter? Because Toto's saying they're making big steps in new car philosophy. It doesn't add up. Has a new car been in development earlier than we thought? And it's been two weeks since Bahrain. Yes, well, they're going to know um, in testing, really. They have their own run plan. Also, you're always guessing what everyone else is up to. So there's a a second on the table. You're always questioning yourself. Is that is that going to be enough? Are we going to we're going to run out of development space here? And I think it's it's natural to to question what other teams are up to. Are we doing the right thing? Um, maybe we want, we'd want to try something else just in case the team such as Red Bull um, have a better package than us and, and and have a higher development scope. It's definitely a good point to make. And then last question I want to ask you both is, overall, in terms of on track, can we say this was a better weekend than Bahrain? Uh, Tom, let's go to you first. Yes, it was definitely better than Bahrain. The, the results speak for themselves. However, I think we're in the luck of the gods, the racing gods here, especially with the safety car and Stroll not being a part of the action. I think it was it, it was kind of gifted to, to Mercedes, unfortunately. And realistically, we haven't really seen much of an improvement in terms of race pace, particularly as the Ferraris have sort of fallen away rather than Mercedes taking a step forward. I think there is lots to be a lot happier about. I'm going to try and be full of positivity this week because last time I was on it was pure the only thing positive you said was the uh, George Russell meme was was the after parade so I'm hoping more Cara yes thank you for that reminder Bal that was true (laughs) it was the only positive um so I really think that as a Mercedes fan it's difficult because you're just comparing it to your old expectations But let's flip it a little bit. Maybe this makes things a bit more interesting for us. You know, we're not just out in front of the pack and it's the same old, same old every week. There's going to be a bit more of a battle between George and Lewis. Is Lewis going to stay? Oh, that's really exciting. You know, how much can we improve race on race when the upgrades come? What's going to happen? So, yeah, I'm trying to draw out the positives there. 
And then when the improvements will be made, because I'm sure they will, because Mercedes are just that sort of team, it will feel even sweeter because they got to this place. So yeah, it was a better weekend in Bahrain. And I think a lot of the things Toto said in particular has given us hope for not only this season, but the future. And that's about it for this week. A massive thank you to Cara and Tom for joining us. There's a link to Cara's social media in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. Do remember to follow us on Twitter at MercF1Pod and hit that follow button in your podcast app. If you're feeling extra kind, drop us a review or share it on your social media to help get this in the ears of those who enjoy it. We'll see you next week. Thank you.